From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the heart of Tennessee, with Tennessee and the world at heart, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. What a joy it is to welcome you today right here to our headquarters in Murfreesboro, and wherever that you find us, the station that you're listening to today, or if you're catching us on some of the social media outlets or whatever, the S.W.O.R.D. website, we thank the Lord that you've found us and that we're able to spend some time together. We get together right here every day, five days a week, and we have an open Bible every time, and we're talking about the things that God's laid out in His Word. And if you have your Bible, we're looking still at Psalm 37, where we've been for about three weeks. We looked at all of the bullet points one by one. I mean, just strong, powerful statements that are made, God's eternal principles laid out in very simple, understandable language. And then we began walking back, looking at how the truth is laid out about those who go away from the Lord and I call that an unsavory case study. We just looked at all of the things that are said about those that are walking the world's way. And then yesterday, we began looking at an incredible case study. That is, all of those who are walking with the Lord, those that are headed the same way that the Lord wants us to go. And so this is going to take us two or three days to walk through everything this says about it. There are a number of things that really describe the biography of those who go the Lord's way. And yesterday we picked up about seven of those ideas, and today we're going to start with number eight, and we'll find that in chapter number 37 of Psalms and verse number six. And I'll get there in just a moment. Let me remind you again, National Sword of the Lord Conference is coming this summer, July 17 through 20, at the Gospel Light Baptist Church in Walkertown, North Carolina, there in the Winston-Salem area, and it's open to everybody, pastors, families, I mean, everybody, we're delighted to have you. Bring your children, bring your young people. It will be a fabulous four days, lots of great preaching and music, and you are invited to come. No registration fees. Every seat is a free seat, so plan to be with us. You're going to like what we have there. Now, let's get right to our study today, and we're looking at the beginning here at verse number 6. And this verse says, And he, talking about the Lord, shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Now, what he's telling us here is, whenever you sign on with the Lord, when you put your trust in the Lord and begin to walk with him, You've had the righteousness of Christ appropriated to your account, and you begin to pattern yourself after that righteousness, and you begin to build a testimony. And the judgment that he's talking about here is, is how you decide things, how you make the choices that you ought to make based on what the Lord has told you. And what he's saying here is that when you do that, you're going to be shining like a light. You're going to be as bright as the noonday sun in the dark world. You know, when the darkness gathers, you can have just a little bit of light, and it really does show up strongly. And uh, that is just a matter of principle. It's a matter of fact. And whenever you and I let our life shine like a light, I mean, that includes everything from our verbiage, our witness, our testimony, our behavior, our appearance, where we go, where we don't go, what we do, what we don't do, all of that put in place tells the world 
that we are not advocates of the darkness, and we are not perpetrating the darkness. We're not participants in the darkness, but we are doing those things that are built really off of the great truths that God's given us. And the Lord said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you to be a shining light. I'm going to make you to be as bright as the noonday sun, and you're going to have prominence in that regard. Now, the world that I live in, the world that you live in, uh, in essence, may not be the same size. I mean, it would be true of any of us. Uh, some folks are only known in a community or in a neighborhood or maybe in one town or maybe in one county. Other people have uh, greater exposure to the world in terms of who knows them and where their influence can count. And listen, I thank the Lord that right here through this broadcast, I have the privilege to have a light of testimony that shines every day. And listen, I want that testimony to count for the Lord. And that's why we come here with an open Bible. That's why we stand up tall here to say we believe the things that God's given us. And we want that to shine every single day right across the airwaves here as we give out the message that the Lord's given to us. So the biography that we're looking at here, this incredible biography of the person or persons who go with the Lord, they are going to shine like a bright beacon light. Now let's look down at verse 7, and the last part of that verse talks about that we not fret ourselves because of a person who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Now, what this tells me is that this person who is going to be the godly person, the person with the incredible testimony and the incredible biography, that person is not going to be enamored with the worldly crowd. I'm telling you, the worldly crowd will put pressure on you. They'll try to convince you that everything they're doing is turning to gold. They'll try to convince you that everything about them is just A-OK, -okay and that, I mean, everything is just great. But the reality of it is that is all a scam. It's a lie. It's not that way at all. But they're going to try to do that to convince you that you ought to be impressed with them and that you ought to go that way as well. And very frankly, a lot of people cave to that. A lot of people cave in to the pressure. A lot of professing Christians cave in to the pressure of doing things the world's way. And so they're kind of half in, half out in terms of the testimony that they have. But this passage is telling me that when we do things the incredible way, I mean, the way God would have us to do it, we are not going to be enamored with the worldly crowd. Look at verse 8 now. This verse says, in the opening part of the verse, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Now, what happens here, the person with the incredible testimony, they're going to shut off anger. They're going to shut out anger. They're not going to be an angry person. They're going to shut it out because anger always builds, and it builds towards cynicism and bitterness. You just simply cannot let anger fester in your soul without you becoming a cynic, without you become critical, without you becoming a bitter individual. And the longer you let it boil down deep inside of you, the greater likelihood is that you're going to become more and more of what you don't want to be, and that is a bitter person. Anger always brings consequences that lead to that cynicism and bitterness, and we don't want that to happen. So what happens here? He says, cease from all of that. And whenever you sign on to that, guess what? Your biography is clean of that. You're not there at all. Look now at verse number 11. That verse says, But the meek shall inherit the earth, 
and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. I think what we're looking at here is the Lord is telling us that when we get right with him, that's what that business of meekness is about. When we get meekness, it doesn't mean that we're walking around with our hands folded and our shoulders drooping and our face down toward the ground. It doesn't mean that we're just all time soft voice and never speak up. It doesn't mean any of that. It doesn't mean that you become a wimp, but it does mean that you have yielded yourself to the Lord in an appropriate way. It does mean that you have the right attitude toward God. You know, a lot of people have the idea, seemingly the humanists take the point of view, that there's nothing higher than a human being. Well, you and I look at this and we say, no, a human being is a creation of God, and God is the higher being. And so we look to him, we yield to him, we let ourselves be subservient to the great almighty God. And whenever we do that, we say, listen, it's not me. It's not about me. It's about him all the way. And whenever we yield to God like we ought to and have the right reference, the right attitude toward God, that is being a meek person. And he tells us that the person who is right toward God, he is meek in his attitude toward the Lord. It's going to bring an abundance of peace to him. You know, a lot of people don't know what it would be like to put their head on the pillow at night and go to sleep real easily. A lot of people do not have any idea of what it's like to be alone in the darkness of the night trying to get themselves to sleep and their conscience just gnaws at them because they've got all of these things that they have given over to that are really creating havoc for them and they just do not know the peace. The Bible says we'll pass all understanding but whenever you get things right with God, there is a peace that comes that you cannot describe. You cannot in any shape, form, or fashion imagine how good it is to be at peace down deep inside, to be at peace with yourself, to be at peace with God, and all of that because you've related to God the way that you should. I'm telling you, this is all a part of an incredible biography that is being designed here by God himself and telling us how we can come about this very kind of biography for ourselves. Look now at verse number 16. This verse says, A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. So if you have many wicked, that means a lot of people and a lot of people that are doing wrong, they're headed wrong, they're headed in the wrong direction, and yet they have accumulated great wealth. And we obviously would be impressed by that. Just the other day, I saw a list, a new list, of the world's billionaires. Uh, one man, almost $200 billion, was uh, noted to be the world's richest man. And then there were others coming after that, and some of the names you recognize because they have prominence uh, in the news media, etc. And uh, we look at all of that and we say, man, oh, so many, many of those people, they have multiplied billions of dollars. And if you're not careful, you'll be a little impressed by that. But here's the deal. We look at this, and this passage tells me that you in your godly way, you in your service to the Lord, you in walking with the Lord day by day, you are better off than some wicked man, talking about somebody that's unsaved, somebody that is living out in the world, even though they might have a huge bank account, it is better to have the blessing of the Lord 
to have the presence of the Lord in your life and to have the promises of God accruing to you day by day, it is far, far better for you to have that than it is to really compare yourself to somebody who is living out in the world, yet they might have huge amounts of money. So a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. You know, we sing that song, Little is Much When God is in It. Well, listen, you and I can take what the world might say is a little, and we can not only make do on it, but we can make life on it. I mean, we can make life be pretty special, dear friends. And I'm telling you, it's just grand. It's wonderful. There's another little piece we sing. It's a grand thing to be a Christian. Well, indeed it is. And if you do not have that, I want to tell you, Jesus died on the cross and arose from the grave to pay the sin debt that all of us have and to make it possible for us to have salvation free of charge. He purchased salvation for us by his death and resurrection. And the fact is, dear friend, if you don't have that settled, you can get it settled. And I want you to know, I want you to know and know for sure that you're saved. You're born again. You are indeed heaven bound because you have a savior. You're not going to get that heaven-bound assurance because you got baptized or because you joined a church or because you take communion every Sunday or because you do religious things. You're not going to get there with that. Now, I'm in favor of people being baptized after they're saved. I'm in favor of you doing things like joining the church, but that will not get you to heaven. We do those things because we are going to heaven, and that is the difference. So what are we looking at here? We're looking at an incredible biography. And tomorrow we'll look at some more of the things this passage tells us about that. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you, so don't hesitate to write me a note. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, dear friends, until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now.